Open Windows Podcasts. A venture of Hit the Road Cultural Journeys. A journey in time to music and the arts for your enjoyment and enrichment. Presented by Orhan Ahuskal, DMA, solo violinist and former professor of violin and chamber music. Hi everybody, today we are talking about dendrochronology. Yes, you heard it right, it's dendrochronology. You have no idea? Well, you will find out about it now. I have a very dear friend of mine as my guest today, violin maker, a master violin maker, Ariane Fersteg. And uh, you actually met Ariane's wife when we talked about violin making. Uh, that was my first podcast, actually, that I, uh, I put out there uh, today. But we're not talking about violin making, but this new... Well, it's not so new, I understand. But it's this technique, let's call it, called dendrochronology. And Ariane will inform us about this, this thing. And I found it very interesting and I'm sure you will enjoy it very much, so stay tuned. So, Ariane, you're a violin maker. You studied first in the Netherlands, where you come from. And then you have a degree from the Mittenwald Violin Making School. And then you became a, you, take, you took all the exams to become a master violin maker. Violin maker means all, all string instruments, of course. It's not just the violin. So, now we are at, at the Fairstakes workshop in Hohenschäflern. This is just to the south of Munich. So, Arya, well, thank you so much for joining me today. We are wondering about dendrochronology. What is dendrochronology? Yes, hello, Orhan. <laughs> nice to, to have you here. <laughs> thank our you. Great yes. to see you again, too. Yes. Thanks. Uh, well, dendrochronology is a technique to date wood. Wood? Uh, yes. Okay. And uh, violins and all string instruments are made of wood, of course. And the dating of the wood is very important uh, to be sure the wood is old enough, the violin can be made by a violin maker, like Stradivari, uh, and that's the most famous uh, violin maker, of course. It's important uh, to date the wood, because you, uh, that's the, actually the only scientific uh, method to say something about the genuinity of an instrument. Okay, whether an instrument is genuinely by Stradivari, for example. Yes. yes. How does that work? Well, dendrochronology um, uh, is uh, based on uh, the rings of wood. The trees grow in in rings. Every piece of wood you see, you see the, the annual rings. And uh, every year the tree makes a ring. So the, the tree is growing uh, every year uh, and it starts in, in spring. Then the, the tree makes a, a little bit of wood and the outer ring under, underneath the bark. Okay, yeah. Sure so it's I like one ring every year? Run that's inside one. the bark, of course. Yes, uh-huh. okay. And uh, well, it starts in the spring with uh, some, some soft woods. It's mostly wa- wider than uh, in the autumn, in the, in the winter. Okay. And then in the winter it makes a pause, it makes a, a winter sleep so there's no growing in the, in the tree and in the next year it starts again and that's why you see the rings and every year the, the tree makes a ring and the ring is made underneath the bark of the so it's not something we see outside there is the skin of the tree the bark yes and then there's a ring and uh, the, the the ring width is caused by climatic situation of the tree in that year 
So you can imagine if it's uh, very warm and very humid, then the, the, the ring is a little bit larger as in the year. Uh, it's very dry and cold. And this, uh, this makes a pattern, and this pattern is uh, unique in time. And you can imagine the rings in the table of the, the table at the top of the, the violin uh, has about 60 to 200 rings. And that makes a sequence of ring width that is unique in time. And if you have a, a large database, you can uh, compare these sequences which you have measured with the database, and then you can say the, the, this annual ring is, uh, is grown in the year, say, uh, 1650 or something like that. Okay, it's, it's about finding the, the width of the rings and then matching it to a database that, that already exists. Yes. How long, how far back does that database go? Well, um, I'm specialized in uh, the spruce because the, the table of the, uh, violins and cellos are, uh, are made of spruce. Um, and my database goes back to uh, 1199. That's the oldest ring I ever measured. 1199? Yes. And so, but there was no violins at the time. So what kind of uh, this wood was used for what? It, it was uh, uh, used for a viola da gamba, which is presented in the museum in Vienna. And it is a, a very old viola da gamba. It was made in 1550, but it's a very large sequence. So we, we start with, the, uh, I think the youngest year was about uh, 1500. It was a large viola da gamba. The sequence was very large and it goes back 200 annual weeks. So you can count back from 1500 to 1300. 1300, yes. So when they made the viola, a viola de gamba in 1500s, mm -hmm. the tree was already 400 years old. You're saying if it or like no, it was about 300 years old. Yes. 300 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that shows that says much about my mathematical skills. <laughs> so about from the year 1200 to 1500s, uh, more than 300 mm -hmm. years. So when was this tree cut? Uh, the tree was cut after any time after 1500 because the, the 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 ring I dated the last ring in the in the instrument was dated 1500. How do you know that? I mean, how do you know that that's the last ring when you see it? Because there are no more rings, and uh, uh, the the last ring in the tree is always the ring underneath the bark. That's how you can tell. Okay. Yes, so but there is no bark in an instrument, of course. They cut cut the bark away, so you have to add some some rings, some annual rings, some years, to get the uh, the earliest possible so uh, manufacturing uh, date. Below the bark, inside the bark, so several rings, let's say three, four years, are cut. You're saying yes, and that's when the tree was cut, basically. So you can date uh, the latest ring on an instrument or on a piece of wood is of course when the tree was cut. So yeah. how do you know that that's the date that tree was cut? Where do you match that? Well, I match it with my database and then I, I can date the rings. But I, if, if I don't have the bark, I can't say when exactly the, the tree was cut. But of course, I know the date of every annual ring. So in the database, you can basically see for each year how wide a tree ring would be approximately. Yes. That is that well, how the database works? Yes, the, 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 the ring width has to be very similar to my database to, so I can date it. Um, and it, you, it is not just one ring, it is a sequence of rings. 
that's the important to, to notice. Just one ring width doesn't say very much, but if you have about 60 or 100 or 200 rings in a sequence, a sequence of ring widths, uh, that's unique and you have to find a, a, a similar pattern in, in the database so you can match it. It's like it's, it has to fit in the, the, the... Okay, so the more rings you have, uh, the better chance of actually really placing the date of the tree, how old it was and, and when it might have been cut basically. Even if you don't know when exactly it was cut, you can still see that it goes back to, you know, um, as you said, like 1199. Mm -hmm. Because we know exactly that, say, in the year 1725, the weather was like that. But then it has to be a certain geographical region. I mean, I mean the weather was different in the Alps mm -hmm. from, let's say, some mountains in, the nor in North America or in China. Yes, it, it was, it's also important that, uh, to, to know where the tree grew. But um, uh, the spruce uh, used for uh, musical instruments always grow in the Alps or some other mountains in Europe. So the, the, the so region... It has to be high. Yeah, it, it has to be a specific altitude, like about 1,200 meters uh, and, and more. And that's the, the best wood for uh, the soundboards, the table, instrument the making. Of, for okay. instrument making, yes. Why is that? Well, the rings are then very narrow and very uh, regular. And that's important for stability and for acoustical reasons. It's because if a tree grows above 1,200 meters, it's constantly below or above certain temperatures. So the, every year the tree ring, the width of the ring, is not very different from the years previous. Yes, and they are very narrow because it's almost a little bit colder in the mountains and, and less uh, rain. So it's, um, yeah, it's a harder climate for the trees and that way, that's why they grow a little bit slower and that's better for the sound. So uh, the harder the climate where the tree grows, the better for the wood basically you're saying yes. because it's more, it doesn't just grow very big mm -hmm. in a short period of time. So when you cut it, it's, it's stronger. How does that affect the instrument? Why is it important that the tree is actually stronger for the instrument making, or at least the string instrument making? Well, one thing is you can make the, the plates, the, the top of the violin, a little bit thinner and they are less heavy. That's better for the sound. And uh, they, you don't get many cracks if the wood is very regular and with very narrow grain. Okay, that explains why all of these instruments, two, three hundred years old, actually survive to this day because they have been made with these strong, more durable wood, and, yes. and that wood comes from higher planes. You're saying, and I rem remember because also it's not very so. There's not much soil, maybe, so the tree has to grow in on the rocks. There's very little soil, mm -hmm. so the tree doesn't grow very big very quickly but it makes the wood stronger, that's what I understand. Yes. Okay, so, and the dating, so you were just talking about like in Europe, instrument makers used trees that were cut in, in higher places, and that's, of course, in Central Europe, that's all around the Alps. In order to date the tree, then it has to come from a certain region. Like in Europe, most of the trees, at least in Central Europe, they, are, they grow in higher altitudes on the Alps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like Mittenwald is right at the northern edge of the northern outskirts of the Alps and 
obviously Stradvari in Cremona must have, or Amati, they must have gotten their violins in the Alps of northern Italy, basically. Uh, but in other places, then how does it work? Like if you find an instrument that was made with a tree that doesn't come from the Alps. Well, then you have a problem most of the time. You have a problem? Yes, okay. but Mittelwald uh, is a good example, I think, because that's actually how, I, how you can start, or how I started the, the database, is uh, you see the section of a tree over there. Okay. That's yeah. a spruce and it's a large stem. The tree was cut in 2010 and uh, the, the outermost ring is uh, the ring that grew in 2010. Okay, so I'm holding this like half an um, orange slice kind of big tree on my left and that's approximately I would say in centimeters, 70 centimeters in diameter, so that's about um, 25 inches or so let's say. So you're saying that you know because the tree was cut in 2010, so that means basically right below the bark uh, on the outer rim, so that's the latest year, 2010. Yes. But it's not just only counting, like what we know, of course, how you count the rings and you say this is how the tree is, but you are actually saying that each ring's width helps you to basically match it to an existing measurements or a sequence of measurements of the rings. Therefore, once you match it, even if you don't have the bark or what's under it, you can say at least this section of the tree certainly dates from a given date. That's, yeah. that's like almost a given. You can easily say that. Yes. But for the spruce, of not for all kinds of trees. You have to do it with the same kind of, uh, of tree. If you mix the trees, it, don't, it won't work. But if you stay with one species, and I, I stay with spruce because that's the one... <laughs> Wood, uh, uh, which is used for violin making. Uh, that it's is the most common wood in that way for the instruments or at least the upper plates. Yes, for the soundboards, for, for pianos and for the soundboards or the plates for violins. So this could also be for the piano that you can use the same technique yes. to date the instrument. Um, let's say that uh, some of our listeners have instruments uh, they think it might be Stradivari because that happens a lot because I just found an instrument, you know, it says Stradivari I'm gonna be rich, you know, that's very common that story I've heard, heard a lot like I remember my pianist uh, came from Bologna so we had a bunch of recitals in Italy and she had a friend who had found a little violin case behind the curtain in her grandparents apartment when they died and it said Stradivari in it so they thought oh okay this but they were so afraid to take it to somebody qualified. Like they actually were afraid to, to take it to a violin maker because they didn't trust uh, to the, I guess, the violin making community. They didn't want to take it there because if somebody replaced the instrument, like they wouldn't realize uh, the instrument would have been replaced. So they asked me to look at it. I said, look, I'm not an expert to say like this instrument dates from or this is a real Stradivari. But uh, so it's a very common story. People have this idea or fantasy, let's call it, to find a Stradivari instrument because it's very expensive. But you can actually say if an instrument was made by Stradivari or not. How do you do that? You actually made, let me actually add, you actually, your first project I remember reading was about a whole Stradivari violin catalog. Yes, I, I did a research project on Stradivari violins. That um, was about 300 20 uh, Stradivari instruments and I was ordered to date the wood of the instruments. 
So you dated the wood of 320 Stradivari violins. Yes, Stradivari uh, cellos and violins, yes. And, and some, some violas also, but um, most of the instruments were violins. And uh, it was of course because it was for a, a, a large book that uh, was published to show uh, all Stradivari instruments, but I wanted to be sure uh, it was really Stradivari. And therefore they asked to do the demochronological analysis so that they can, uh, could say the wood is old enough that the violin could be made by Stradivari. Um, of course, you have, you have to be uh, an expert to see the statistics on a violin to say it's typical Stradivari, but a scientific method or a scientific technique is the dendrochronology, so you can prove the wood is old enough that Stradivari uh, was able... He could have made it, could uh, have. because that wood is as old as Stradivari's life. Like you have how many rings here, I'm looking at it. Can you tell me how many rings I am seeing here on this? Big I plate. think it was about 180 rings. Uh, 180 rings yeah. and about, it's like a small pizza kind of thing. So 180 years at least this tree was old. Mm -hmm. So you can say if the tree actually even existed when Stradivari was alive, therefore yes, um, whether he made it or he couldn't have possibly made an instrument from this tree, because by the time he died this tree was still like living basically. Yes, and growing. <laughs> and growing. <laughs> That's fascinating, but also another fascinating thing is that you basically had to... Did you see all of these instruments, 320 instruments by Stradivari? Yeah, not, not all of them. Some, some I, I, I got to, to analyze, but you can make the measurements with high-resolution photographs. If you make pictures with a special camera, with a special lens, then you can make the measurements on, on the screen of a computer and you can make the measurements of the, the rings. And so I did most of the measurements based on uh, photographs which were sent uh, to me. And because I had so much uh, Stradivari um, experience, I guess. Experience, <laughs> so, so, so much Stradivari um, instruments in my database, I could see that um, many instruments were made from the same tree. You could even say that this is the same tree that these, how many instruments? Like you said, how many instruments were made from the same tree? Oh, I have one, uh, one tree uh, which I can prove uh, more than 20 uh, violins were made from. And um, 20 violins from the same tree? Yes. Well, that's very economical, I guess. <laughs> yes, I think it is always uh, better to, to make more instruments from one tree because otherwise Stradivari had to cut uh, so at many least trees. So many trees, yes. <laughs> A whole forest. <laughs> so he was actually environmentally friendly yeah. then? Yes. Okay. There was also an, an another story. Um, uh, the, the most famous Stradivari violin is the Messiah, Messiah violin. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if you heard about the Messiah. I heard violin. about the Messiah, yeah. but okay. Well, it's, it's exhibited in um, Oxford in the Eschmoldemann uh, Museum. And that's a very beautiful violin, but most of at the time, people weren't sure uh, if it was made by Stradivari because it looks like brand new. That's brand right. new, it's <laughs> like fresh from the the workbench. <laughs> so and um, there were a lot of uh, uh, people thinking it. it's not true. It was made by Jean Baptiste Villon. It's a French uh, violin maker in Paris in the 1900s. Uh, and um, it is because uh, Villon actually copied. 
earlier masters, I guess, and really well. I mean, view and violence are very famous and good. Yes. But it was not original, like you can say, well, this is, like, he pretended that was a Stradivari violin, yeah? So he actually made a copy of uh, Stradivari instruments or the model. He used the model, one? but he made also copies. And sometimes, sometimes they are really good. You have to look very uh, precise that you see that's not a Stradivari or a Guarneri or something like that. But he also copied this mm -hmm. the Messiah violin, uh, and therefore people think, uh, thought uh, this violin, which is in in Oxford in the museum, is also made by uh, Jean Baptiste Villon. And he was a good maker, and he probably could made uh, some copies which are now played by uh, by musicians who think <laughs> it's who yes. think it's Stradivari <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> So that basically confirms that it is not a viola instrument, but it's most likely by Stradivari. You you mentioned that people because they think it's not doesn't look very old. Why does it not look very old? The Messiah. Well, the Messiah was bought by a viola from Tarisio. That's an instrument dealer. That was an instrument dealer, and he I'm not sure where he bought it, but it was the he said the most beautiful violin ever existed. And therefore, he never played really on it, and, and ne nobody played on it. And the violin is called Messiah because uh, the Teresio was a dealer, and he was often going to Paris to Viom and some other dealers. And he thought, I have the most beautiful violin ever seen. And then son-in-law of Viom told him, Well, it's like the Messiah. You always talk about him, but he never comes. <laughs> and that's why the violin was called Messiah violin. <laughs> And, then, and even then, uh, it was barely played, so it didn't really age. The, the varnish was yes. very new. Yes, but uh, uh, and and you see it. If it looks like a really new violin, if you see it in the, in the museum, it is very fascinating. And some people said it um, it must sounded very bad badly because it wasn't played. But some people like uh, Josef Joachim, 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 yes, played on it and said it was a very nice violin. And uh, yes. And what a shame, in a way. I mean, a violin made by Stradivari, nobody really played. Yes, but it's for historians and for violin makers, it is very interesting because you can see the working methods of Stradivari, and you see the varnish, how it's it's put on the on the instruments. It's not polished very much. It's a kind of mint condition. So it's it's uh, uh, you see you see how Stradivari worked. Great story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um, uh, if I uh, worked in Munich uh, with a, a violin maker, I got an instrument uh, on my workbench to, to polish or to, to make some repairs. And uh, in that time, I was also working on my database. So I, every instrument I saw, I make, made pictures and uh, uh, measured uh, the rings. And this was a, a very nice instrument made by Rogeri. Uh, Rogeri? Yeah, Pietro Giacomo Rogeri. This, not from Cremona, where Stradivari is from, but he's from Brescia. And I made the, the measurements of the annual rings, and then I put it in my database, and uh, the computer was calculating, and then I saw it's almost exact the same ring width like the Messiah Stradivari violin. So it must be the, from the same tree. The, the same tree, same even. Same tree, Messiah Stradivari. And uh, this violin made by Pietro Giacomo Rogieri. So basically, they had a single distributor of these trees who gave some to Cremona and then sold some to Brescia, basically. Yes, I think so. Time. It must be like this. And 
actually it's the same now nowadays because if you go to a, a tone boot dealer then most of the time you don't buy the full tree but maybe one part of the tree and the other part is bought by another violin maker because i know i know some violin makers in turkey and i remember they said oh you know i gotta get my uh, wood from mittenwald so yes. what you're saying is exactly true so yeah. it could be two different violins made by completely different in different places and different makers uh, but they could be made from the same tree obviously and that was also true in the early 1700s basically yes, yes. that's a very interesting subject so you have your database you said goes back to 1199 now remember we talked about the history of dendrochronology so what is dendrochronology you said it's the dating of the wood but it comes from a greek word of yes what? the greek words are dendron that is that's wood chronos that's the time and logos that's the scientific method or logic of explaining something of explaining so dendron yes. anything to do with wood basically yeah dendron yeah. okay dendrochronology yes and the uh, technique was invented by an american in the 1910s 1920s to prove that the sun has spots every 11 or 7 years and then the trees should have been more narrow rings that was his intention and then they saw it was the method was or the technique was very useful for dating archaeological uh, sites and the technique of dendrochronology is very often used for dating uh, dendrochronological artifacts or archaeological artifacts and the databases of oak for instance go back in time 10000 years bce wow and uh, they can date Celtic villages or Viking boats. They can date boats? Okay. Yeah, they take in boats, yes. And it's, of, of course it's very important because you can, uh, if, you if you find the, a piece of the bark, then you, you can be sure it's cut in that year. It's, there's no, no plus minus, it's exactly that year the, the, the tree was cut. And even if you see if it's the, the, the last ring, the last ring in the underneath the bark, below the bark, is made in spring or in uh, autumn. So you can date exactly the cutting date of a tree uh, within a half a year, something like that. Okay, so it's very, very precise, really. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure there could be people who have instruments and maybe they believe it belonged, it was made by Stradivari or some other Italian maker or German maker. And they can actually contact you and they can send you very high resolution photos. They don't have to be even coming here to your workshop. If they, are, if they live in, in Central Europe or they can travel, I would certainly recommend for them to come here. But they can contact you through your webpage. That's www.fersteg.com. So v e r s t e e g minus minus or hyphen hyphen yes Geigenbau Geigenbau G E I G E N B A U dot d e dot d e so Germany Deutschland and and they can find they can easily contact you through the webpage. And if they send, this is important that the, the pictures that you would have to send should be or would would have to be taken by a digital camera, not a cell phone. 
mm-hmm. and would have to be really as high as possible resolution so that the tri- the ring widths are easily visible and also of course it should be in very good focus so and any blurry picture will not do basically yes that's true i have to mag- magnify it on the screen and then i have to make very precise uh, measurements so of uh, each ring of each ring yes and match it to your database and then you can say well this tree certainly yeah. but it also has to be a spruce uh, yes it's, it's, spruce. it's only the top of the, the violin or, or of the cello the back is made of maple and that's a different it's a tree with leaves and uh, it's not working the the dendrochronological technique is not working it is too variable i guess it could it's be too variable to different periods yeah, yeah it's too variable for the location if if the, the tree okay. is very near to a river, the the tree has a lot of water and he doesn't notice that's a, a dry year. The weather is very... Uh, so even dry. if it didn't rain that year, the tree has enough water so that it grows again uh, yes, enough exactly. to say, exactly. so it could be, okay. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. So it has to be spruce, so it has to be the upper plate, the table of the yeah. of string instruments. Wow. Well, Arjen, thank you so much. This this was very interesting. Um, <laughs> so if you'd like to find Arjen, as we explained, you can go to their webpage and find out uh, more about the, the chronology. Also, you can contact Arjen uh, for him to date your instruments. Thank you very much yes. for your time today. You're, you're uh, I found that very, very interesting. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome, Arjen. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today at another Open Windows podcast of Hit the Road Cultural Journeys. Hit the Road is an artistic and educational project that has evolved and been developed in the last 30 years artistically to promote solo violin works that are rarely or never performed, also to educate audiences about different aspects of Western classical music. And we value your support. Please consider supporting Hit the Road Cultural Journeys and become a valued member of Hit the Road Inner Circle. Visit our page at patreon.com, type hit the road and watch our introductory video. You can support this project then by choosing a membership level and with your small monthly contributions. Hit the road needs you. Until next time, all the best.